Hello everyone, and welcome to another edition of Learn From Gaming Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we dig into some of our favorite games and discuss what we can learn from them, and also why we like them. For those of you out there counting, this is episode 29, and thank you for counting this far. <laughs> and we're coming at you at September 6th, 2018. My name is Chase Strollenberg, and I'm joined today by... Stu Gritter. Hello, Stu Gritter. How are you? I'm doing quite well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, <laughs> our uh, our website took a shit. Yeah, and on uh, itself. doesn't it? it <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> um, which like usually involves removing some bones, which is exactly what WordPress did to itself. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't. Okay. So um, just a little under the hood for anybody. Uh, I'm going to describe what our podcast is, and then I'm going to describe how our website killed itself. <laughs> um, so for anybody who's new, uh, <laughs> this this uh, this podcast is all about Stu and I just uh, trying to find the intrinsic educational value in games. And I mean that can be arithmetic, that can be spelling, that can be geography, it can be any kind of unusual thing that you can imagine that comes like academically. But also it's sort of like um, social problem solving stuff as well. Uh, we had a really good episode on us engaging with the internet for the first time. Uh, we had a surprise episode for Stu <laughs> on us. Uh, sick kids hospitals. Yeah, Hooray! yeah, sick kids hospitals and uh, and video games and hospitals and like just the value of that. Um, and that's the sort of stuff we want to try to get at. Uh, as I don't know if we're gonna hit it this episode, um, but uh, you never know. We might get there. We might get there. Um, so for the website, uh, basically, if you have a WordPress website, you have the option to. Um, basically add what are effectively third-party plugins so plugins for wordpress created by not wordpress um the podcast plugin that i put into our website that i then put all of our podcasts on and treated it very much like a blog um i think Either support for that plugin got completely pulled, or it became a premium plugin that you have to pay for, oh. and they decided to not permit any uh, any free use anymore. But basically, that plugin is gone. Gotcha. Like it is gone, and its removal has damaged our website in a way that was very negative. <laughs> and not something that that I could easily repair. So I just let the charges for the site itself uh, lapse. I still have the domain name, so we can still rebuild. I have all the show notes. We have all the raw yeah. audio. Um, so like it's Everything something important. that we, we can put back together. And most importantly, um, due to the limitations of the site when we first started, every little piece of our audio is stored on Podbean anyway. Um, and all the show notes go up on Podbean because then they get sent out to uh, Google Play or no uh, Google Sound and Apple, uh, so iStore, um, iTunes, sorry, and anything else that en we end up on. So yeah, all of the stuff that we've done is still there. It still exists. It's just the website is down. So you go to www.learnfromgaming.com. You're not gonna find. You get a frowny right face. Now. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get. You're going to get an ugly face. Um, I, I just need to put a picture of my own there. Very, 
very sad face. If it makes you feel um, any okay. better, this morning the first thing I, I had to do at my job was uh, fix something that uh, a Windows update broke uh, some services provided by Windows servers. I've been there. And I had to, <laughs> yeah, muddle about with that for a little <laughs> been while. Been there. Um, yeah, it, uh, in, in corporate chase land, uh, there was, a, there was a, uh, an office update that just derailed derailed my uh, my outlook so primary email uh, yeah. server um just ruined me for like three days which uh, <laughs> in in my job That's i'm a while. Remote, remote like i work remotely so much of my communication is through um the the business version of skype and outlook oh it was awful it was yeah. so bad <laughs> thank you windows for crippling yourself um yeah, man. So, uh, okay. You know what? Let's shoot into the first part of the show, uh, which is um, what we learned this month. So, Stu, this is the segment of the show that you should be familiar with by now. <laughs> We've done it 29 times. Um, maybe even 30, because we did have the test episode. We did have episode zero, yeah. <clears throat> and it's, uh, it's when we discuss the things that we've learned this month. So, Stu, you and I love tech. We love gaming news. So, if anybody out there ever wants to shoot us an article and have us talk about it, feel free to do so. Our our email still works, and it's learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. So, go ahead. Send us an email. We love that stuff. Um, so, Stu, did you have anything in terms of games and news you wanted to talk about? Um, sadly, no. I've had a little bit of... There was an art, uh, a website that I want to dive into before we talk about it. Uh, and other than that, just like little tangential news bits and pieces that I... Like nothing important. Yeah, I've got... Um, I've got a video that I wanted to talk about, but I put it into the show notes so long ago that I forgot what it's about. So I'm not going to talk about that. Um, I am going to talk about Idle Weekend. Um, so this is Rob Zachney and Danielle Rando. They, uh, they do a podcast called Idle Weekend. They don't do it as often as they used to, um, but their episode from August 1st was all about dealing with difficult transitions in life. Hmm. Uh, so Danielle talks about she's going, she has gone through a breakup um, and basically talks about the process of using games to sort of help with that. And then Rob Zachney talks about um, the anxiety of a medical scare that he had and how gaming helped him through that. Uh, and it, it's a pretty solid episode. I'm going to make sure that the, uh, the, the link to it's in the show notes. So that's uh, it's Idle Weekend. Um, if you ever want, just sort of like a light but also kind of intellectual um thing to listen to uh it's it's not bad it's it's definitely not bad i mean i i really enjoy the content that both rob and danielle do so um yeah it's it's how i discovered them and eventually i discovered waypoint through through that uh that series so um yeah so there's that that's the, I, it was good news i mean yeah. using video games to help cope uh i've done it <laughs> so like like uh it's it's some good advice especially if it's something that you've never considered 
Um, even if you just like look back on your life and think about how you got through some of the situations that you got through, um, I know that I have relied on games before. Um, it's it's so then it's amazing sorry. even just what a little bit of escapism can provide. Yeah, really. yeah, and I mean some people frown on escapism, but let let's let's be real here. Sometimes it's a little too heavy. <laughs> sometimes it's a little too heavy in the real world. So uh, eh, sometimes if you want to stay in the real world for a while, you have to get out for a little bit. Um, speaking of which, uh, Jacksonville happened. <laughs> and uh, anybody who doesn't know what that means, uh, there was a shooting at a gaming event in Jacksonville. That it would be foolish not to bring it up. Yeah. Um, it's it's something that happened. Uh there is presently no linked evidence suggesting that video games are why this happened. It's like a, a dude got upset and made some very bad decisions and caused a lot of harm. Um, but uh, there was a New York Daily News article um, that was written by... I'm just going to open it up. I'm going to make sure that it's open and that I don't screw anything up. So it's written by Chris Ferguson. Now, Chris Ferguson, uh, it's an op-ed. It's important to know that it's an op-ed, but Chris Ferguson has actually testified in front of the U.S. Secretary of Education, so Betsy DeVos, in which she was looking for him to say that video games cause violent behavior, and he testified in front of her and the committee assembled that, no, there is no solid evidence no empirical evidence to suggest it uh from sources that are that are trustworthy um so there's uh, it's actually it's a pretty interesting article it's he does a really good job of linking a number of uh uh, official investigations he provides his testimony so he's got a link to his testimony um he's got a secret service report on the uh, the 2002 shootings, I think it was Sandy Hook. Um, just uh, just all the research and wasted time that goes into what everybody wants to find <laughs> in video games <laughs> and continues to not. Yeah. Um, and, like, for me, where I am, like, where we are right now, I feel like that's good news. At the... Like... This is one of those situations where video games is a is a new thing that it, it, it's feared because it's not 100% understood. I'm glad that so much money and so much time has been thrown into understanding how it impacts people. And I do feel like we're still just sort of scratching the surface. Yep. But, like, the knee-jerk reaction... Um, and... Ferguson even says this in in the end of his uh, his article. It's like it's you've blamed popular culture, so you've blamed rock music, Dungeons and Dragons, comic books, even Harry Potter. I remember when people used to blame Harry Potter for like deviant behavior <laughs> because there was witchcraft. Yeah, um, like it's people used to be afraid of margarine, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, like to be fair, oh. margarine is not the healthiest of, it, oh yeah, of, yeah. of spreadable options. Still. But like, you know, it's it's not. It's a part of life. It's not. It's not super evil. Um, but yeah, the the stuff that people get worked up over is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And it was just a breath of fresh air. 
in 2018, it was something that I feel like was needed, especially after um, the events of Jacksonville. So, uh, hey, Stu, let's talk about <laughs> video games. <laughs> <laughs> let's do that. Okay, so um, here, I just got to write a small note. Yeah, you do. Okay, Stu. Um, so uh, let's jump into what we learned from gaming. I'm going to leave it open to you whether or not you want to talk about your game first or whether you'd like me to talk about my game. Um, I, I don't know what your game is, so I'm going to go first today. Because <laughs> I don't trust you anymore. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's wise. You know, that's wise. Uh, and I'm okay with that. So, yeah, go right ahead. <coughs> All right. I'm, I'm, um, I'm going to talk about a, a classic today. I think. Me um, too. Oh dear, uh, my th- this particular classic is part of a series now. Uh, there are. So is I mine. Think, I think there are six of them in this particular series. Yes, there are six of yours. <laughs> if you're doing um, the one that you said you're doing, then yes, there are six. There have been uh, numerous expansion packs and stuff created for a bunch of them. Uh, the game itself has been. It was released in 1991 for MS-DOS, I think Windows, uh, Amiga, Mac, bunch of junk, bunch of junk. Uh, but uh, we're gonna talk about Civilization, which it's about time because it's one of the the Sid Meier's games that I actually haven't touched on yet. I'm gonna talk specifically about the first Civilization because there's the games are kind of there are a bunch of them I played many hours of all of them and kind of took different things from each different entry and uh, so it's just kind of good to start at the beginning then can build on this if we if I decide to do other Civ episodes later so Civ 1 like I said was released in 1991 uh, we probably would have played this on uh, on a 386 probably so the MS DOS version. Yeah, I I played it on a 386. Uh, for, for anyone who is unaware, it's a single, it's a, a turn-based game. It's a long-term strategy game where you are in charge of a civilization and you want to take over the world. Um, typically, they're. Oh shoot, where do you even start with a game like Civ? So you start off by building a little city and you expand and build more cities and take over territory. You grow your cities, that population. You use those cities to build buildings to make the cities better or military units to go and beat up your neighbors. Um, you slowly research new technologies. So you go from you know starting out with you know, next to nothing with like knowledge of roads and pottery and so you slowly start researching you know uh, mathematics and map making and getting into mining iron and smelting things in the bronze age and blah 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 eventually you're flying around with you know jets and bombers and stuff and it's all it's all well and good so there's there's just a ton of stuff in the game especially for a game at that time Uh, and just the vast amount of just weird information that you could pull out of the game was kind of fascinating 
So the first thing that you interact with in the game is choosing your nation. So right away, there's a little bit of arguable knowledge that you could glean just by seeing what the developers thought were kind of the major players in the world and sculpting the world. So this includes included historical, like long dead civilizations, uh, but also kind of highlighted their most prominent ruler or one of their most prominent rulers. So there's a little bit of knowledge there that you could pull out. The technology tree, it, it was really interesting to see what the developers thought was a, a natural progression. I mean, we, we can look historically and see what what advances led to different technology in, in different areas of the world. But having the choice to choose what to invest in for your little fledgling civilization was always really, really fun. Um, and presented really fascinating choices to people. Um, deciding whether or not to blitz down into, you know, like finances and, and make lots of banks. Or forget the money, we're just going to make all the guns in the world and then take everybody else's money because sometimes that's just easier. So... Uh, good guy, bad guy thing going on too. Uh, diplomacy was a part of the game, so you could try to make nice with people, or again, just you know, hit them with sticks and take all their things. There was a lot of uh, the the city development was really interesting too. Uh, the, you could play on random maps, so you wouldn't know what the shape of the world was. Uh, you didn't know if you were on a continent or buried in an archipelago or what the situation was. So you kind of had to decide with the best knowledge you had at the time, make the best decisions in, in terms of where to build your cities. Uh, the cities would kind of occupy tiles around them and uh, you would work the land a little bit to try and um, uh, grow food and also generate production so that you could actually make things in your cities uh, the the buildings that you can make were of course defined by your technology and there were super buildings called wonders and wonders are something that have been around in the uh, throughout all of the Civ games and that was a really interesting thing too uh, they kind of all of the great wonders so for example the early ones would be like the pyramids or the great wall would take vast amounts of energy to build in one of your cities. But when when you accomplish that, it would provide a massive boost to either all of your cities or all of your units or what have you. But there could only be one of those in the world. So if you were the first person to build pyramids, then great, good for you. Nobody else could build the pyramids. But, but even just the game isolating, again, what they thought the wonders were. I mean, we have the seven great wonders but they included more than just those seven they included other like still wondrous buildings and constructions but things that may that technically don't make the list of the the seven wonders um and just it helped you kind of grow a bit of an appreciation for some of the things that different nations did accomplish so even just playing through the game and finding out oh you know, when, when you're eight years old and you see something about the Hanging Gardens of Babylon 
what is that? And you can go and read about the hanging gardens because it's, it's a wonderful thing. Um, there was a lot to do with um, hitting people with sticks. Military tactics were a big thing in the game. Slowly gleaning an appreciation for um, different tactical decisions. Like It's probably one of the earliest games that helped teach me that you, you know what winning a sea battle or winning an air battle would mean for the land battle it's like a, a weird thing to pull out of a strategic civilization builder i guess <laughs> like there's a lot of, okay. uh, <laughs> even just land swarming things or you know learning small tactical like Hello, kitten. Learning small tactical things like how you know how to hold choke points better, or you know the difference between different kinds of units, and understanding that the leaps and bounds that technology made in terms of warfare. The difference from catapults to cannons to muskets to rifling to APCs to mechanized infantry and grown-up tanks and etc. Just seeing that progression uh, evolve naturally, it, it, it gave it a different feel than just reading about it in books. Mm -hmm. uh, so there definitely was a lot, a lot to go on. I only ever played the single player. You could play multiplayer. I'm not sure if they had hot seat. I don't think they actually had hot seat at the time, but you could uh, like do the direct link. I believe. I could be mistaken about that. Hmm. Yeah, I can't. I don't remember. Maybe ever it was only single. Else. Yeah. It might have only um, been single. Number number two had both direct link support and uh, I think hot seat. And number two also had play by email. Yes. Which was a fascinating thing that I could get into. Has been lost in time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At another point, because yeah. I actually did a bunch of that, and it was incredible. But, um. Yeah, I think a brief-ish overview. I think that's Civ and some of the kind of surface knowledge stuff you could pull out in a nutshell. Okay. Um, hmm. So some of the weird stuff that Civ does is, and it... it consistently does it like it still does it even today um is it gives you the um it, it gives you a ruler and that ruler never changes <laughs> oh yeah 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 right like the, this immortal lord um yeah. and i always found it interesting because they latch on to like the most successful or the most uh, notorious yeah uh leaders uh, but it was how I started to get exposed to significant individuals from other nationalities that I wasn't usually familiar with. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if the original civilization had Babylon, but one of the ways that I even learned about people like Gilgamesh um, was through myth, but also through video games. Yeah. Um, same thing with, I think, Saladin for, uh, oh. I think, I believe it was the Persians. Um, I had no idea any, I had no, 
it's one of those things like it, maybe it's a bit of an oversight um but like in canadian north american canadian history you don't learn a lot of middle eastern history <laughs> no almost none um and uh, same thing with uh with chinese slash japanese right you don't learn unless you actively pursue stuff like that yeah um or even even like eastern european right it's it's so much so much of it we is don't Western. get into yeah yeah, and it's it's also well, I I mean, so it basically applies to a very large part of the world. Yeah, mo- like, most of it. Yeah, <laughs> most of it um, that you just you you don't get exposed to um, because you're too busy being focused on um, how great how great uh, Western culture is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was it was nice, uh, and it started to like um, the the civil civ series as a whole has gotten me um, interested in other cultures and I enjoy playing other cultures. And uh, even if it's just like small snippets of, of like canned previews into the peak of these cultures, according to the developers of the game, Mm. it's still more than you would usually just get passing by. So, um, I've always really appreciated Civ for that. I also love the modding community. Um, I don't know about the first game, but like the second game had some incredible mods. Yeah. Um, like there are people who design uh, world uh, perfect maps that you can play on, so that you actually start in geographical areas, stuff like that. Like there is a lot of behind the scenes unpaid effort that sometimes goes into. Um, creating really interesting experiences for these games as well. Hmm. And that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> never played number one. I never played. I, I don't. Or if I did, I don't remember it. Oh, okay. Because uh, I think I was a bit too young. I 100% played number two. I think I played number one once on my uncle's computer, and then he got number two and completely forgot about number yeah, one. That's fair. That's fair. The, yeah, the, some of the it was just interesting things like, like that was I I distinctly remember Civilization One being the first place I ever read about Genghis Khan. Yes, because he yep. he was the chosen Mongol leader. So there you go. Um, and that it like that kind of stuff sticks in your head for a little while, and then. You know, at, at some point, you you see a book about Mongols somewhere, and you're like, "Oh, this surely this is good for children," and you pick it up and start reading. <laughs> <laughs> surely it is, too. Surely it is. That's fun. Um, I like that. Yeah, shoot. There's something else I was gonna quick say too. Um, Bob. I dig it. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if you're stalling out, not a big deal. We can come back to it or we can move on, whatever you prefer. Um, yeah, shoot. Um, don't remember what I was going to say. Uh, so I guess pros and cons were like, it was a really good gateway for a lot of things. Oh, the Civilopedia. That's what I wanted to bring up. Oh, yes. That's a really interesting thing. Yeah. Go ahead. So, um, again, those with, this was included in the uh in the first civilization was what they call the civilopedia so it it's yes it's just basically the civilization encyclopedia anything that's in the game 
you can look up in the Civilopedia to understand, I mean, initially just its value in the game, but also some historical information about it or what made it important or the people who were involved in something's discovery or creation mm. or the effect that it had on on the city or the nation that, that kind of took ownership of something or the role that a certain thing played in the forming of, you know, whatever. It's just... It, so so they really made the information readily and easily accessible and that's something that they you know really maintained throughout the uh, the entire series and it's something that's absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. um, it, it really yeah. it breaks down just that flat laziness barrier of oh that's interesting maybe I'll think about that again never to Oh, that's interesting. Okay, uh, I'll push F1 and read about this for, for 30 seconds and learn a bunch of stuff. Yeah, it is. And it's funny, because like, when, when you're younger, maybe it doesn't mean so much. But as you start to get older, um, it it really is like a cool feature. Um, it seems like such a nerdy thing. <laughs> Um, for uh, anybody who's kind of ignorant, right? <laughs> Which is let's be let's be clear, like it's it's most most kids, right? Like so, if you're if you're younger, you're playing this game, you, you're probably not gonna have the patience to go through the um to go through the the um the Civipedia. But like, um, once you hit a certain age, and I'm gonna say like usually between uh, 12, 15, 20, right? you start to gravitate towards stuff that, that that you find interesting and it is just so awesome to have that have access to to so much knowledge um in a game just there yeah and just just to be to to put a bit of a pin in that the civili- civilization 1 was released in 91 wikipedia was founded 2001 so 10 years before wikipedia the Civilopedia was born, <laughs> and it, it's it's, um, it's so similar in just uh, because I know I'm not the only person who at some point looks at Wikipedia to like ends up on Wikipedia looking up something and then you know you're reading about potatoes and bunnies or some shit like an hour later and you don't understand how you got there. Civilization offered that that experience as well. <laughs> it's also important <laughs> to bring up that. Even to this day, Wikipedia is not... It's an okay source, but it's not a reliable source. No. It is a publicly manipulated series of documents that won't always accurately represent um, a a topic, right? Um, Whereas uh, certified encyclopedias, which I know are on their way out, (laughs) unfortunately, Mm -hmm. um, also like like, uh, content expert websites are often much better uh, at representing where where information comes from. Unfortunately, what's what's really weird is a lot of this information is starting to end up in audio files and in podcasts, which don't get transcribed. Yeah. Um, and so it would be interesting to see, like, also video. So it's going to be interesting to see. I have a feeling that at some point uh, speech recognition technology is going to sort of fill that gap. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, 
companies like Google are trying to do that now, so then any videos that are on Google sites will eventually just be completely transcribed um, accurately. I mean, yeah. they're not 100% there yet, but at some point, I think within the next 5 to 10 years, we will see a technology that is dependable for diction. Well, even right, um, even right now, YouTube has like some conditional auto-subbing. Which is fun. That, and, oh, on. yeah. And some... <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Gosh darn it! Especially trying. if somebody has an accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just we're we're at a weird sort of transitional phase where everything's like everything's becoming digital. Yeah. Um, but also not all of it. Some of the best sources are no longer even written. Um, and that's a weird thing to say. Uh, <laughs> I mean, history was oral at first, which yeah. which was interesting. Yes. Um, which is weird because now these oral traditions are forever, or at least as long as the server's up. Um, <laughs> see also our website. Uh, <laughs> yeah, case in it point. It ate itself. Yep. Um, so, cool, Ben. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to bring up? Um, um, there was, I guess, I, I did play a bunch of Civ. I know... Uh, my brother and his friends played a bunch of Civ. Some of my friends played Civ. It was neat to kind of... There was less, I guess, schoolyard chit-chat about this, you know, having hot Civ games going on than anything else. But... Whispering sweet saladins in your ear. Mm. Mm, yeah. I'm going to totally pick Genghis Khan. Well, who wouldn't? Yeah, but well, yeah, but yeah it, it, it <laughs> most people didn't and then he forced himself upon them. that's yeah <laughs> but it, it, there was yeah there were there were some um nietzsche chats and strategy swaps and all that kind of did come of people sharing this game so it was uh, a little bit of coordination collaboration and, and sorting out you know again d days before uh, a lot of strategy guides or, or that kind of thing were readily accessible. You're yeah, kind of like FAQs. Yeah. And people trying to figure out how to streamline, you know, blitzing to a certain tech and, you know, unlocking this building or that unit and exploiting it and that kind of thing. Or, you know, how do you get to this wonder as quick as you can? Or So there was a little bit of that metagaming going on already at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it just as a whole, great. It was it was fun. Go go play Civ or go play another Civ because the Civ one's a little dated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, personally, I would recommend. Uh, I was gonna say recommend the latest entry, but I don't know. Um, it's. I mean, I've I've got a real soft spot for two. It it's interesting because uh, I've listened to, I don't remember if it was Sid Meier's or somebody else on the on their, their dev team that talked about civilization has always had, uh, they did things in thirds. So they, they would keep one third of the mechanics that they knew were rock solid and kind of core to, to civilization. They would take a third and fix it up and, you know, wrinkle out stuff that they didn't quite get right the previous time. And then yeah. one third of each Civ game was new. So they always did this, three three pieces of the pie thing with every iteration of Civ. So it's That's it's interesting. Yeah, so it's kind of it's neat to see that they've like it's worked. The the series has continued from day one until now. 
and it's still crazily successful um, and, yeah. and notorious for eating people's time, right? It, it's it's <laughs> one of the games that people joke about the most about, yeah, okay, just one more turn. Oh, fuck, it's five in the morning. Yes. Happens yep. all the, the time. <laughs> the, one more turn, the one more turn syndrome, yep. which is so, so dangerous. Uh, but I, I don't know if that's, that's more of a, a game design chitty chat, but that, that's a, a fascinating thing. So that also makes it, I think, a little bit hard to point to which the you know which game in the series is the best i think there is going to be a better personal preference in that yeah and i i don't know i wouldn't be able to pick that's okay you don't have to know Hmm. um hmm okay yeah okay now i'm done okay cool um well you kind of actually uh, the design talk i i kind of want to circle back to that so if i don't remember to if uh, if you remember to feel free to steer me back. Um, Can you hear me typing? I'm gonna type, type <laughs> notes. Okay. <laughs> sure. Um, okay. So the game I want to talk about today is Super Mario World. Um, so it was designed by Nintendo, published by Nintendo for the Super Nintendo Super NES. So the uh, Super. Why did I? Fuck. Okay. <laughs> for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, so it was published in Japan in 1990, and it came to North America in August 1991. Um, in terms of genre type, it's a 2D side-scrolling platformer. If you've never played a Mario before, this is actually not a bad one to start. Um, so, uh, core mechanics for the game, um, it's a like I just described, it's a 2D side-scroller um, where everything just sort of scrolls smoothly. There's no rotating uh, windows or anything unless you go like into a pipe, which makes sense once you've played the game. But if you are completely ignorant and have never played a Mario game, that might sound a little weird. Um, but uh, basically, uh, point of the game, get from... Uh, the start of the stage to the end of the stage moving in a specified direction, uh, acquire power-ups, and also maybe ride a dinosaur <laughs> on the way uh, while either dodging or defeating enemies. And um, in this particular iteration, there is an overworld map, so you get to choose where you're going. Um, so you can select, there's like a level selection, um, which is a, a very interesting, um, interesting part of the game because it was originally introduced in Super Mario Brothers three, the overworld map. But Super Mario Brothers or Super Mario World really, really um, started to exercise the potential of that sort of setting. Um, also transitions in the map from one level to the next so there were actually worlds I think there were if I'm remembering correctly there were eight of them but you could just switch smoothly from each one if you just navigated your way on the overworld map Um, you could just go to each one as long as you had beaten every level to get you through to the to the next level so you start in area one you have to play through each single level. When you select a level, you go into the 2D side-scrolling. Once you've won that level, it punches you back out into the uh, the world map. Um, and then another point on the map appears, and you can go and you can play that. Um, 
yeah, everything just sort of connected. It was smooth. It was it was actually kind of fun to look at. It was just you learn the geography of what was referred to as Dinosaur Island, um, which is where Yoshi lives. It's the first mm-hmm. appearance of uh, the character Yoshi. You get to ride him, um, her, it. Uh, you get to ride a dinosaur. Um, so maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking, okay, how much depth? can Super Mario World actually have? And you know what? That's a fair critique. Um, But there is some interesting stuff going on under the hood. Uh, So what not a lot of people pay attention to, especially when you play a Super Mario game, is first, how approachable the game is, and second, how much effort goes into the game teaching you how to play it. Now, um, early iterations of the, of Mario games, with I would say the exception of maybe Super Mario 2, which wasn't quite as good at this, uh, just because Super Mario 2 was like batshit crazy, and it wasn't... Uh, uh, story for another day. Uh, anybody, like, look up the history of Super Mario Brothers 2, and, and that there's an explanation for why Super Mario Brothers 2 North America is so fucking weird. Um, but Super Mario Brothers World and... Uh, I, I would say that the introduction into Super Mario Brother World is almost on par with the simplicity and ingenious design of the original Super Mario Brothers. Because in the original Super Mario Brothers, they introduce you to every single mechanic in the first level that you play. Uh, I think with the exception of Warp like warp tunnels but that doesn't matter um like the actual the way that you're going to get through the level every single mechanic is taught to you within i think the first 20 or 30 seconds there's a really good extra credits episode all about the design of super mario brothers 1 dash 1 so like the very first level and super mario world for its own part, it does actually have one or two text boxes that you you like you jump into and then it explains to you how to do stuff. But it's pretty close to that. Uh, I'm just going to take a drink, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, something else that Super Mario, or that all Mario games kind of, actually Nintendo is really guilty for this, is Nintendo does... Um, the iteration thing really well in that they take something that works and traditionally they will just keep bringing it back until people are just like we're sick of it then they kind of vault it for like 10 years and they bring it back again that's why we're probably not going to see too many 2d mario games for a while because we sort of got oversaturated in i'd say the last decade Um, but i wouldn't be surprised if we see a new super mario brothers game that is 2d maybe within the next three to five years um anyway uh super mario brother world um like the the first few levels teach you how to either fight enemies beat enemies engage with the power-ups and there's a bunch of new power-ups use yoshi um look for secrets in a level uh, so, like, just uh, manipulate uh, the, the pipe system that you can, like, push up or down and go into a pipe. Um, explore the much larger limits of a world than you might expect, especially once you get the cape power-up that allows you to fly. Um, and also just sort of engage with the, uh, 
the weird sort of overworld map. So, like, one of the things that you can do in one of the first levels in Super Mario World is you can unlock a switch level. So if you beat the level, you unlock a switch level, and then if you want, you can go play that, and it unlocks a new type of item box throughout the entire world. And I think there are four or five... No, there are four different switches. There's the red, green... Blue, yellow. Yellow, and blue. Um, And if you activate them all, then basically it it just makes playing easier. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) There are platforms in places that uh, that you you would really like there to be platforms. Um, And that's interesting. Uh, And what else is interesting with the overworld map is you have an option. You can either go to the left... um, and and play that level that will unlock the switch level, or you can go to the right and play the first level that you encounter Yoshi in. Um, or you can actually just go to Yoshi's house and see all the little tiny Yoshis yeah. jumping around. Um, and it's all sort of cute and it's all quaint. Um, <clears throat> but as you continue to play Super Mario Brothers or Super Mario World, you start to realize that yes, the mechanics for this game are relatively simplistic, but as the levels get more advanced and as you open up more of the overworld map, there's actually an interesting level of depth. Um, so let's talk about uh, some of the firsts for this game. Like uh, my family, so like my brother, myself, uh, maybe my dad. I don't remember my dad playing this too much. It was a little too whimsical for him. Um, he was a serious adult, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, so yeah, Mario wasn't always something he was interested in playing, but, um, the overmap had secrets, um, and what the overmap did to let you know that there was a secret in a level is it color-coded each area. So if there was an area that was yellow, it meant there was only one way to beat it, uh, which meant there was only one finish line. Once you crossed it, you had beat the level and you could move on. Um, If the dot that was the designated area you had to complete was red on the over map, that meant there were two potential ways to beat the level. So two potential finish lines or a finish line and a boss that you had to beat. Um, and that would open up two different avenues, uh, two different directions that you could travel on the overmap afterwards. Then there were also things like ghost houses or um, I think the ghost houses were, th- this happened more often. The ghost houses had an unclear number of possible solution, uh, possible endings. Um, and you just had to basically keep playing them until you figured out how many there were. And then um, there were also like mid-level castles that uh, that functioned in the same way. But I think there was only really one or two solutions to those. So like beat the boss or there was like a secret exit. Um, and then there were also like really big dots that were colored red. And that lets you know that they, there were at least two to three different ways to beat that level. Um, And so it was pretty clever color coding for the most part. I mean, the ghost houses, they were mavericks, so you never really knew exactly where everything was going to go. But what it allowed for is 
there were also there was also a secret world that existed yeah. in Super Mario World called and you accessed it through a process called the Star Road and you could only do that through finding the secret and uh the secret finishes to every level. Yeah. Um and once you opened it up you could actually play through the whole thing, but the entire Star Road actually had it was made up of red dots, so it meant there were two ways to beat it. So either you could beat the level, and then you had just beaten it, or you could find the secret exit, which then extended the Star Road. So you could actually use the Star Road to get all the way to the end of the game. Um, also, I believe there was like additional levels within the center of Star Road, which uh, I think you just played them for fun. And uh, if you were a completionist, that's what you did. But like my brother and I, in the early 1990s before the internet <laughs> when i guess we had a shit ton of time on our hands 100% of this game we found every secret we found every ending we did the work and like used our cape to float under finish lines and then swoop back up before you got hit with lava like we rode on dolphins we did everything you could possibly <laughs> imagine yeah. in this game um and it was a first like i can't and i'm gonna be honest i'm having trouble thinking of too many other games i 100 percented um but we did it we did it for this game and uh oh mario kart uh mario kart for uh for the super nintendo we we 100 percented that and then continued to play time trials forever because mm. i guess we were lonely and bored um but yeah, it was just it was such an interesting game and it was one of the first games that had these types of like number 1, a large interactive overworld map that was just full of secrets that you wanted to peel back, right? You wanted to find that next thing. Um you wanted to know what colorful magic stuff was in the next world because that that's the best part about Mario is like even when you play a new Mario game, um, it's just it's so refreshing to see what the creators come up with. Uh, it's always so colorful and weird, but also familiar. So now, like whenever I approach a Mario game, like I've got the basic mechanics for most Mario games down, right? Especially mm -hmm. if it's a side scroller, um, and it's it's almost muscle memory. So. Uh, actually, I would argue at this point it 100% is muscle memory. It's like a part of me. Um, but that's also interesting too, right? Like I've invested so much time in this genre and specifically in this brand that I can approach a new one confidently with like this sense of uh, childish joy. <laughs> like it's just it, like Super Mario never feels like work for me. It's It's just fun but also kind of relaxing. But um, especially the earlier games, I found the newer games are easier. Um, well, maybe that's if that you've grown up a little, maybe. Yeah, also, <laughs> I've just gotten better over time. Uh, maybe the skills don't ever really go away. Um, but it's just, it's, it's an interesting thing. Uh, I mean, I can talk, I can talk to High Heaven about the, the pros for this game, like awesome sound decent graphics yeah. that still hold up like the 16-bit graphics for the super nintendo for this yeah, they're game still very endearing um the level design uh i would say solid for most of the levels there's like one or two aggravating levels but hey you know one or two uh, that when there's like eight 
eight worlds, like you're yeah. doing all right. Um, in terms of, I mean, yeah, even the bosses, like it's not hard. It's a kid's game. It's a kid's game that is really well developed, and so it's enjoyable for basically anyone. I would say it's an ageless game. Uh, that's not easy to accomplish, but Nintendo seems to really be able to to whack those out, especially in their earlier, the earliest iterations of uh, of some of their games. Yeah. Um, they did a really good job, and the yeah, the Super Nintendo stuff ages really, really well. Yeah. Um, I mean, in terms of cons, like. The, again, this game hasn't aged poorly. It's aged really well. Um, so you, it's still approachable. You could give it to a kid today and, I mean, depending on <laughs> how patient the kid is, they they could probably still play it and enjoy it. learn the mechanics very, very quickly and probably enjoy themselves doing it. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, I've, I've discussed what, what, what I took away. It was just sort of like the, the wonder... Of being able to unlock the secrets and and the drive, right? And this was a game that made you want to keep playing. Yeah. It was enjoyable. Uh, you do, don't always encounter that, and this was like one of the first times. And I guess what I'm trying to say is like what I learned from Super Mario World is if you have a game and it does all the right things and you enjoy playing it, why not 100% it, right? Um, so my brother and I did, I mean, we also had a lot more time, (laughs) a lot more time than we do now. Um, (coughs) excuse me, but I would go back to that game in a second. Like I, I enjoy playing it even to this day. Um, you know, you put it in front of me, I will 100% play it. So, um, yeah, Stu, did you, uh, did you play much Super Mario World on the SNES? Uh, on the SNES, little bits. I don't think I played it front to back until I was emulating it. Um, still a good place to play it. But yeah, and and <laughs> still worked. But but yeah, I I think a lot of the things that Nintendo had developed, especially during that time, they really did focus on uh, games being fun, on teaching you quickly how to play the game. And controller responsiveness. It's a game that controls very, very, very well. And I yes, think that that yeah. helps it kind of age gracefully, too. Yep. Uh, yes, I can't believe I left out. The controls for that game are immaculate. Like, it, it is incredibly responsive. Also, like, the sprites, they, they perform in a way that is intuitive to the way that you would control them. Um, even down to, like, the little goofy... Um, Mario does like a little slide while trying to pull himself in an opposite mm-hmm. direction if you're running too fast one way and then you try to do a hard stop. Um, like everything about that game feels good. Um, so part of that, and this is kind of a game design thing and kind of a uh, experiencing games thing. Uh, and Mario games in particular do a, an excellent job of I mean, some platformers, you know, if you're pixel, if there's a pixel on your sprite that touches the pixel of, of a bad guy, um, you will die. And that and yeah. that turns into something that's very frustrating. But, but like Mario's hitbox, they cheat a lot so that if something hits you, it, you know, like all the sprites are visually bigger 
than the hitboxes actually are. The game kind of does a bit of a cheat all the time in the player's benefit. So that makes it feel a little bit more generous. Like when you're you're cutting things closely on jumps and like just barely making a jump or just barely squeaking past a thwomp or something like that. Visually, it probably does look like you should have been hit by something, but, you, but you're alive. <laughs> I've done that Things before. are so close, but you did it, man. You're awesome. Look yeah. at that. Like, there's I've, a, I've a, a, tested the limits of a thump. There, there's a serious, <laughs> a serious um, benefit and like empowerment that you can get from, from that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, and it's, it's a clever design. And, you know, I would argue Nintendo's probably still taking lessons learned and putting them into like 100% oh, no putting them into games today yeah. right um but yes the 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 forgiving hitbox is like uh you want a fun test there there are the thumps that fall down um and will like squish you but the, they really just hurt you in this one i don't think they kill you outright um just see how close you can get with like the spikes when they come down yeah. like touching you <laughs> before yeah. you actually take damage it's uh they're they're in you, and <laughs> they're in you yeah and before you so, you feel so, it so, so anytime you do uh take a hit and and go to small size or or die you never feel cheated yeah yeah and that's uh that's really sort of understanding the empowerment and the fun right um and like you said the the empowerment is such a big thing uh, like making you feel uh, just a, a little bit stronger than than maybe you should be, um, and uh, yeah, Mario's good at that. Mm -hmm. Mario's good at that. Yeah, it's just th those interesting little tricks that designers do to uh, to really fulfill that fantasy mm -hmm. is interesting. Um. Okay, so, I mean, I don't know what else I can say. I know, uh... I think there was some collaboration that happened. Like, we, 100%ing the game was a big deal for us, but it was also a big deal for the few of our friends that also had SNESs. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure there was collaboration that occurred between us and the people we knew that actually had, had the game. Just trying to figure out, like, like there would be a few levels... The stupid yeah. like, P doors and all that kind of, because yeah. like n none of us had, like, none of us had subscriptions to Nintendo Power. We were like out in rural Ontario, um, so it was really just us talking to each other, trying to figure this shit yeah. out. And um, I think Aaron and I were two of the first people to. So my brother Aaron, uh, were two of the first people we knew to actually one hundred percent it, um, and then we helped anybody else who wanted us to help so there were like a few levels that were really tricky there was this one i don't remember exactly where it is um but you had to i i alluded to it earlier but you had to carefully time flying with your cape um so that you could swing down under the initial finish line <coughs> excuse me and then swoop back up past it and then there was a second finish line behind yeah. it but if you tried to go over top it would automatically just finish the level so you had to go under but there was lava underneath uh, so you had to time it 
exactly right or else you hit the lava and you died um and uh that one was tough um and i think my brother did that one i know i did not um and there are a few other levels like that uh, there were also like just some secrets i think there was i think we actually talked to somebody about one of the ghost houses because we didn't realize that it had a third exit like a third third uh way to win it mm. And once we did, like, we opened up the entire Star Road and were able to do, like, the secret, secret levels. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, it was, yeah, uh, it, it was it was just an interesting thing. Again, something that you will probably, like, the world will probably never 100% understand because the internet now, um, FAQs now, um, to experience something quite like that, you have to just choose to go radio silent and not engage um and it's not always easy to do anymore um yeah but uh hell of a thing at the time Mm -hmm. had a lot of fun with it yeah so yeah it was good so i'm i'm curious now i Um, like this yeah go ahead maybe maybe this isn't something that you want to get into right now but um how do you feel about... I, I know at the time there wasn't much in the way of modding, especially on the SNES, for, you know, for that. They're, like, they're, people have done ROM hacks and everything by now. Um, but what do you think about its relationship to Super Mario Maker? Um, like, if, if something like that had been available back when Super Mario World came out, do you think that like would that have well like for for the record I love ton? Super Mario Maker. I think it's a it's a great application mm-hmm. and it's actually a fun game because there's so much content that's been created yeah. for it yeah, that yeah. like you can just keep playing Mario in whatever iteration you want with the exception of Super Mario 2. Oh. Um like if you want to play original Mario, there are tons of levels that you can play. If you want to play Super Mario World, so like Super Nintendo Mario, there's tons. If you want to play like the Wii slash Wii U version of Mario, tons of ways to do it. Um, uh, if that had existed back in Super Nintendo era, like my brother and I would have made levels, 100%. We would have designed levels for the game um, and played them. Um, and I, like, I'm not, I don't think that we're going to get too deep into it today. It doesn't make sense. Um, but like, the value of Super Mario uh, Maker is very hard to describe, but also so, so cool. Um, it's something that I wish would come out on Switch because I miss it. I, I don't have it for the Wii U mm. because I got rid of my Wii U. And it was such a cool little application. Like, you could just put that in, and in the same way that uh, you get lost in Civ. I mean, I get lost in games like <laughs> Civ as well. Like, it's just, oh, okay, I'll play one more level. Yeah. Okay, I'll play one oh, more level. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Very, very easily uh, go down that rabbit hole. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a thing. That's something to talk about, I think. <laughs> but maybe not today. Um, but, yes, if that application had existed when we were younger, my brother and I would have made levels. We would have been budding game designers. 
budding Mario game designers, which evidently did have a future because there have been many yeah. uh, 2D sequels. Yeah. Do you do you think that <sighs> Super Mario Maker coming on the back of Super Mario World makes like is that did that help make Super Mario Maker what it is? Like I know there are a bunch of different. Uh, I think it assisted. Um, like one hundred percent, Super Mario Maker is designed to appeal to every generation of Mario player, right? Um, whether oh, old okay. old school, so NES. Yeah. SNES or contemporary console. Yeah. Um, so, of course, 100% Super Mario World contributed to the success of Super Mario Maker. Um, in the same way that Mario, like the original Mario and the new iterations of Mario did. Um, but it's just such a rich tapestry. Um, and, like, each iteration just builds on the mechanics that already exist... Um. So yeah, <laughs> like I I don't know why you wouldn't include that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Did that answer your question? Um. I feel like it. I yeah, did. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. I think so. What were you looking for? <laughs> <laughs> drama, Chase. I wanted drama. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong place. <laughs> Um. Yeah. I was. I, yeah. I was just curious if you had any further insight into that kind of thing. But. I love Mario yeah. Maker. It's yeah. a great application. Um. The like, the effort that goes. Yeah. I. It's not the place for it. But yeah. like the effort that goes into some of the levels that get created is bananas. Oh just yeah. Insane. Yep. And we would have put that effort in when we were younger if we had the time. Which we did. So, yeah, we would have probably yeah. made some insane levels. Um, I do appreciate that you need to be able to beat the level in order for it to go on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, that, that's that an, an important, important thing. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I have much else to say about it, yeah. unless there's anything you want to say about it. Super Mario World, I mean, not Maker. Um, no, no, I, I think I'm good. Okay, so then uh, let's shift into our next section, which is what did we learn from you, which is the audience, and the answer is not a lot. Email us at. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, uh, we, got, uh, we had an email from someone, but I'm pretty sure it was junk mail. Pretty sure here. Sorry, I'm just going to pull it up. I had it open and then I shut it. Like a fool. Okay, so we have... I'll check and see if it was from Greg. Uh, we <laughs> do have one from Greg, but we already read yeah. this one. This was the uh, the Might and Magic yeah, 3 one. Did, yeah. So, uh, other than that, got a bunch of Twitch notifications, Slack notifications. Yeah, I don't know if we've... Uh pushed up a new episode since we've recorded that last one no so no. yeah that, uh, that so makes 25 sense. will be going live shortly yeah. um and actually 25 has uh i think 25 has a couple of emails in it at least one i okay. think from uh from los and it's it's got it's got some some neat stuff 
Well, yeah. We don't have to be cryptic. Super, it will, no, like, we do. People it's will a have mystery. heard it before they hear this one. Shh. No, no, they won't. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyways, um, so, I mean, if, if you listen to this show, uh, sometimes we get lonely and we need companionship. And the best way to provide that companionship is to write a loving letter and send that loving letter to the email that I sometimes forget. <laughs> it is learn from gaming podcast at gmail.com. So just put whatever sweet nothings you want into an email and send it to learn from gaming podcast at gmail.com. And then this section won't seem so lonely and we won't seem so sad. Um, that said, yeah. Stu, let's move on to the next section. Right. And that section is what have you been playing? Have you had time to play games? Um, I'm going to quick look at my uh, Steam history. In the meantime, there was a Civ design question you said you wanted to ask, so I'm going to prompt you for that before we move oh, on. Oh, no, it was okay. just a design question, period. So it was uh, it was the iteration of design, how Civ takes the time to continue iterating, like the third, 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 mm-hmm. whereas Mario is basically the, oh, okay. um, yeah. the complete opposite, like a quarter of everything in a new Mario game is new and most of it's graphics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, graphics and level design, but the mechanics are like almost spot on. The controls are almost yeah, spot on. Yeah. Right. Um, um, let's see. I've, I've, I had been uh, playing a little bit of smite cause, uh, <laughs> I'm shocked. Buddies, I'm shocked been by that yeah, I know. Right. Um, actually I, uh, rebooted, and uh, found out that there's a new mode to uh, Wildlands, the the Tom Clancy, the Ghost Recon, Ghost Recon, yeah. Um, it the game itself is. Uh, I'd have a hard time singing super praises about it. But the, I don't know. It, there's enough interesting stuff to keep me going for a while in there. And they just... Well, to me, just... I don't know how recently they kicked out a new game mode that's kind of like super punishing and unforgiving. Uh, so I'm going to probably check that out. So okay. We'll see about that. But yeah, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't really uh, had time to dive into anything uh, new or interesting... As of late, okay. I did have another. Sorry, I did have another Kickstarter game come in, um, called Need to Know, and I've I What's I did about? play that a uh, little bit as well. I only have about an hour, maybe two hours into it. Uh, it was super rough. I think they've updated a bunch already, but the premise is you're kind of working for. Um, at least at the beginning, I again I'm not very far into it, but you're kind of just like scrubbing people's emails and phone contacts and scanning them like within a, a sector of uh, like a, a government department for spying on potential threats. So you, you just like being a sneaky spook and trying to find baddies. And I think there's going to be a big moral, a moral hoity-toity in the middle of there, but uh, whatever, I'm not there yet. And... It's already kind Look, of you're really selling this game <laughs> to me, man. <laughs> I, 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 I am keen to play it. I do want to give it a, a decent shot. It's like it looks interesting to me. Um, I, j- I just yeah. haven't had the time yet. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, cool. So, anything else? Mm-mm. 
Okay. Sadly, no. All right. So then... Oh, wow. I forgot. I, I'm i adding another thing to my list. Yeah, Fendictus, right? No. no uh, you lied to me about that. I went you to... Bastard. I installed it, and then I went to play it, and I couldn't remember my old login. <laughs> and then I was just like, this is too much work, and I don't care. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so I didn't play Fendictus. Um, so I have played a little bit of Hollow Knight. Um, <clears throat> the best way to play it is with your controllers docked in the Switch, because uh, there's just something that happens to the responsiveness of the controllers if they're not docked or if you're a little too far away. Um, and uh, Hollow Knight is like, it's a Metroidvania where controls are important. Um, and precision is important. And wow, if, uh, if you feel like your controller is not working the way that it should, that game gets aggravating quick. So I played Hollow Knight. Um, I also picked up the Mega Man X Anniversary uh, bundle, so it's all of the Mega Man X's in existence. And man, Mega Man X Seven and Mega Man X suck. They're like two D, <laughs> no three D esque versions. Oh, just brutal. I really, really enjoy the Mega Man X series uh, one and two. Um, my brother and I owned them. We played the crap out of them. We also played, I think. Four when it came out on the the PlayStation, um, and I mean it, it just escalates into insanity, like the the levels of power that Mega Man acquires. But um, uh, yeah, it, uh, enjoyable series until you get to the end, and then like that series died a death it deserved because Capcom made some crummy decisions. Like there there are two games that <laughs> I just repurchased that I will never play again. Um, but the rest of the series is solid, and there's a, a nice little museum attached to it. Like, the uh, the Capcom collections that have been getting released lately have a lot of care and consideration put into them. And uh, the, the museum sections for all of the games... I also picked up the, the Street Fighter collection a while ago. The 30th anniversary... Or, yeah, 30th anniversary edition. Um, and it, had, it has a really cool museum section... Um, just outlining uh, character designs, pitch documents, stuff like that. Um, and for uh, a gaming history nerd like me, it's really, really cool to look mm-hmm. at. Um, played a bit of Into the Breach, which is on Switch now, and it's a fun little turn-based game where you have to try and protect islands from bugs popping out of the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, very much uh, there is a right answer to this puzzle kind of turn-based strat. Um, and I just have to get my head around it. Also, when you fail, you warp back in time. It's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. I enjoy it. Don't know how long it's going to hold my interest, but I love that it's on the Switch and I can just play it before I go to bed. Um, also, another one of those games where I'll just do one more run. Ah, yes. <laughs> like, I'll just, I'll just fail the world one more yeah. time. Um... Played a bit of Dragon's Crown, which is a 2D side-scroller beat-em-up um, with leveling and fantasy stuff and unusually large bosoms on women for, oh, I don't know, aesthetic reasons. Um, it's it's uh, a very strange but also well-put-together game. Like, there's a lot of love, uh, and it's beautiful. I play it I play it on my 4K TV, even though I don't have... Um, <laughs> even though I don't have a uh, uh, PS Pro, 
um, PS4 Pro, and it looks, it still looks awesome. It is just, it's like hand-drawn art. It is so good. Um, it's, it's like playing a painting. It's crazy. Uh, also, the game, the game mechanics are pretty fun. Um, I played it with, I think, Charlie, um, but he got tired and passed out, you know, as one yeah. does. Yeah. Um, not a lot of depth there. It's, it's, uh... Very much a beat 'em up game with just a bunch of uh, fantasy stuff in it. Um, played No Man's Sky, bounced off of it, and then walked away. Um, <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. Uh, there was a bunch of bullshit going on in that game, and I'm just like, you know what? I've done this for Terraria, I've done this for Minecraft, I've done this for Starbound. Yeah. I don't feel like doing it for yeah. you, No Man's Sky. I'm not going to do it for you. So I just walked away. Um, and I ended up playing a bit of Destiny 2, and it wasn't bad. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. But here's the thing about Destiny 2. Destiny 2 is what happens when Warframe and Halo have a baby. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, it is It is not quite Space Ninjas, and it is not quite Master Chief. It's somewhere in the middle. Hmm. Um and I've already played both those games. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad that I got Destiny 2 for free. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. yeah. It's I mean, it's a game that if I wanted to, I could probably dive into, but there's a bunch of other really good games that are going to be coming yeah, out soon. Yeah. Um, so I'm not in a rush to do that. Uh, also, uh, my save for Monster Hunter got deleted, so... Oh, good. That's, That's a few hundred hours of my life super gone. Super good, yeah. About a hundred hours of my life gone, just to be clear. Um, that sucks. Uh, that said, I would play that game again. 100% I would play yeah. that game again. I would gladly play it again. Of course. It's uh, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, if I didn't want to play it again, I wouldn't have gotten as far as I did because it's very much about repetition. So, um, But yeah, I think that's all I got. Um, I mean... If the audience wants to know our opinions and wants us to go deeper on games, they could email us and <laughs> let us know. <laughs> um, also true. But other than that, I think, yeah. Uh, did you have any questions, any concerns? Oh, lots. Probably not for right now, though. That's yeah. fair. Um, and, yeah, I guess if that's the case, maybe we'll close this baby down. If that's okay with you. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I have anything else to bring up. Okay, cool. Um, so then uh, I'm gonna say thank you for taking the time to listen, audience. Also, thank you, Stu. Um, but uh, we hope that you've enjoyed yourselves. Um, Stu, do you have anything you want to plug this week before we go? I, I'm too tired to plug. Sorry, that's fair. I got no, Jack. That's fine. Um, yeah, no, that's fine. Um, I'm gonna thank Dimitri again for our music. So thank you for our music. Um, you used to have a section on our, our website where yeah. we explained all the cool stuff about you. I might have to do that in the show notes now, but I can't promise that. Not that you even listen to this podcast, so it's not a big deal. Um, also, thanks, Joe, uh, for the art. Uh, you do occasionally listen to this podcast, so I'm just going to keep saying it. Thank you for the art. Um, and uh, thank you, nobody, for the emails. But, hey, you send them in, you get a yeah. thanks. Um if you want to know more about Learn From Gaming Podcast, uh, we've got all kinds of social media. 
So we've got Facebook. Uh, not a lot gets said because we, I only really say anything when I release an episode. Uh, but just keep an eye on the Facebook for when new episodes go up. Uh, I, I put notifications out like minutes after I, I put the new episode up on Podbean. Uh, we've also got Podbean, which is basically our, our home website right now. Um, I'll make sure that there is a link in the show notes to that. Uh, we're on Twitter. Um, don't check our website. <laughs> it doesn't work. I, hopefully by the time um, this episode launches, it will work. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if I get some time hopefully. to figure out what the hell I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, we're on iTunes. We're on Google Sound. So if you haven't subscribed to us yet, go ahead. Uh, if you haven't sent a rating in, I don't really care. But I hear that it does good mm. things for us. I don't know how or empirically if it's yep. even relevant. Like, comment, subscribe. Um yeah, yeah, like, comment, subscribe, do that thing that Stu said that I don't <laughs> even understand because I live in the 1990s, not the 2000 and whatevers. Um, but yeah, thank you again for joining and um, make sure to tune in again soon. Hopefully we have uh, stuff that you enjoy. Yeah. So have a good night. Play some games. Learn some things. Yeah. Yeah. Learn games and play things. <laughs> <laughs>